Hello there. Welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute podcast, episode number 16. My name is Jed Brocky. This is the first in a series of podcasts devoted to helping those musicians who want to move online and will feature interviews with musicians who are already making a living online through various means, such as YouTube, blogging, Twitter and radio broadcasts, etc. First up is David Wallerman. David has a YouTube channel with over 77,000 subscribers. I'll be talking in depth with David about his life, how he managed to grow such an impressive number of subscribers and the advice that he can give to anyone out there who's looking to do the same on YouTube. David explains the trials and tribulations of getting there and the things that actually helped him make his channel into a success. If you come to the Guitar and Music Institute website at www.guitarandmusicinstitute.com you'll be able to get links about David's work, his channel, various interviews, pictures and videos. And his videos really are exceptional. If you're listening on iTunes or any of our download sites around the world then come on over because you'll get a lot more content actually on the GMI website. So coming up is an interview with David Wallerman talking all about musicians moving online. David, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks for doing this interview with GMI. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honoured. Thank you. Now, Wallerman, that sounds like Walloon. Do you have any sort of Belgian-type background to you? What's going on there? Actually, yes. Uh, it's um, The family name is comes from... Um, Germany and Swiss. So Swiss, German, in that area. But it's from a long time ago. <laughs> right. So because I was a wee bit confused when I started finding out all about you because I thought you were actually in France or something. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get confused. <laughs> I think the reason why is that because my English is a little better than uh, the typical uh, French person. Oh, that that's good. When you do that accent, we'll get the female ratings up. <laughs> In fact, I had uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, doing an interview on this. He's a, a sort of top producer, and he uh-huh. he's, he he lives well. He's he's moved over to another part of Scotland, but um, he's recorded Stephen Grappelli, and he was going. He's going. I said, "You you recorded Stephen Grappelli? What was that like?" He says, oh, "All he ever said was Verbes that's that's very accurate yes that's how we we sound like usually (laughs) so david uh you're very you're a very well known and talented guitarist um i know that but um thank you (laughs) there's a lot of people out there around the world and right over for some bizarre reason this podcast seems to be very popular in america it must be the accent but anyway um (laughs) it's because i put so much bass on in 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 post you know but uh, could you tell the people out listening just a little about yourself, a potted history of your life as a musician, how you got into it, and maybe you could tell yeah. us a wee bit about Glass Hammer. Sure, absolutely. So to go back to your previous question, too, I was born in France, so that's why there's some confusion. Um, I'm Franco-American. My dad's French. My mom's American. I was born in France, grew up in France. Wait, about? And um, uh, South France. In the south, the uh, French Riviera. I uh, know it well. Uh, Aix-en-Provence is where I'm from. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> so I was born and raised there and um, always loved music. And before before getting to guitar, I, I was always loved harmony and composing in my head and all that. And then discovered uh, guitar when I was uh, 15. Some high school friends. You were hanging out in Catholic churches singing all the time, yeah? <laughs> but, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe not but <laughs> right, let's not go there yeah. for goodness sakes yeah so I fell into the guitar thing around 15 moved to the states later in life um when i was i think 26 or so what what, what took you there then david uh frustration and a breakup <laughs> well, both <that's> together <laughs> so <laughs> She no, must I was, have been very beautiful to go that far. <laughs> well, there was there were several elements, but really the main reason is that I I felt that that my career in France, where I wanted to be, just didn't didn't work. And the reason I chose America is not necessarily because there's this 
fan you know some people have fantasy of america as the dreamland where all the musicians can make it the reason i moved is that i had an in my mother being american i had dual citizenship right. and i thought um changing countries changing places would um help me get out of some of the the patterns that you have in in the same place all the time so discovering something new would probably inspire me to try to do something um out of my musical life and that that's why i moved to the states so was it really about trying to get rid of your gallic shrug it, that's exactly it that, i've never heard that expression but it makes total sense <laughs> yes <laughs> you you'd obviously been playing a lot and maybe you didn't uh, you needed to be more sydney beshi you maybe needed a stronger vibrato like bb uh, king what do you think maybe that's it too maybe a little bit of that my it's interesting that you mentioned that because my my playing did change after moving uh gradually and i don't think the change would have happened if i stayed in france um change in technique and expression and all that you know sydney bechet for example i know it's a different instrument different time but uh, as far as i know he, he found it difficult to be accepted in america and yet he was loved in france yeah that's interesting i'm not i'm not quite sure why but but yeah i i'm not sure um a change of scene for us is always a good thing i think so yeah i think so i think it's it's true for anything whether it's music or or anything it's always good to discover new things i think so i'm blathering on here david carry on you, you you've been playing guitar obviously before you moved to america yeah mm -hmm. yeah so um so yes when i when i moved i, I moved to the south first for some odd reason like I'm, my mother is not from the south but i moved to the south to a, a town called chattanooga tennessee in tennessee did you see the train i did the choo-choo yeah chattanooga choo-choo i didn't know you knew that from on your across the the pond on that side of the pond i did <laughs> and and the thing is when i when i moved there i managed to write like a i was writing my music and then there was a, a compilation a progressive rock uh compilation that came out and i was part of this uh, uh group um on online my song was accepted for the compilation but every artist needed to record a short presentation like a little interview type of thing just talking about their song mm -hmm. and i had nothing at the time i just had that song i didn't have a microphone nothing to record i got connected to this studio in chattanooga tennessee where i where i could do that interview thing and um cool thing is that the the people at the studio were also artists and they had a song on that compilation and they were glass hammer the band glass hammer wow and that's how i got into the band I've been reading all about them. I, you know, I just, really big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and I had no idea when I joined them. I I had no idea that they, you know, they were that successful. The thing is, when my two boys were we, we went to see Lord of the Rings and all that, and uh, I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I actually <laughs> fell. Asleep. I was looking forward to it, and I fell asleep. I used to. Everyone that came out, I just, I just thought, brilliant! I can get three hours nap here as they watch the fight, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Glass Hammer inspired them, wasn't it? Wasn't it all that stuff? Yeah, they were. They still are really inspired by all that that world, the elves and and wizards and. Do they dress up? Do they dress up in sort of long coats and? Stuff? It, <laughs> not when i was around <laughs> they <laughs> should have maybe it would yeah. have been more successful <laughs> i mean think all the plastic toys they could be selling man come on <laughs> oh yes i know it's crazy what year was this then um uh, it kind of gets blurred in my mind but i want to say um maybe 10 years ago or so okay and, and um did you go touring with the guys yeah, you know, they started really touring and performing after I left the band. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, once she's gone, then most yeah, start. yeah, they were waiting for my departure. <laughs> now, what happened is that they were they were known for their um, their albums. They didn't tour much. They did a few festivals here and there. I did one with them, but they were really known for their concept albums. And um, I recorded one or two with them, and then I moved to Colorado, which is another story. But, uh, and then we were still working together when I was here, but I found it like too difficult. Plus if there were to be gigs, you know, like me being in Colorado, them in Tennessee, it was just complicated and difficult. I, I, yeah, I know. And we wanted to start our family and all that. And I was like, no guys, just find someone good. 
I'm not, I know you'll find someone and and do and do your thing, and they did. But we're still really good friends. The, the, this is the incredible thing, isn't it, about music and being a professional musician? I mean, there are just so many great players in the world. There are, yes, and and they're easier to find too today. I think. Do you think we're deceiving ourselves in our brief moments of oh, I'm, I'm a, a good player? Actually, it's not that hard. What, what do you think? <laughs> well, I I think I think there should be a healthy balance because I've met so many players who who hate their playing and they're continuously unsatisfied. And some top guys like, um, well, name, anyone, I guess. So there's so many players who are so good and they hate their playing. And then you have the other the other way where players like they, they think they're all that. And I think there should be a healthy balance. I think if you really dislike your playing all the time, maybe you need to take a break and come back to it and in a fresh way. There just should be a healthy balance, I think. I always think people who hate their playing, there's a certain conceit, I mean, really hate their playing all the time. There's a certain mm-hmm. conceit in, in that very act, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. And and I think sometimes I also found that when, when you say, oh, I really like you, when you, if I recorded something and I say, I really like this, really like it, it can, it can come across as arrogant, which, you know, you want to hide that. You, you don't want to be arrogant, but it's not. It's just, I think it's okay to be happy with some of the things you come up with. When I record stuff and play stuff, I'm at peace with what I do and I really like it. Trouble as no one else does. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. And that's, I think that's key right there. Hey, David, you ever been in that scenario when you're playing a live gig and you've done a solo and you thought that really made sense and there's just silence? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. haven't. Uh, I certainly have. <laughs> that happens too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it made total sense to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that happens too. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's interesting because I want to come on to your YouTube channel later, but one of the things uh, that I really think makes a difference with you, because the people listening out there, David's got a, a growing YouTube channel. Over 77,000 people have actually subscribed to it. And I think one of the main things about David's channel is the fact that he's a personable person. When you're talking on that YouTube channel, you're very open. You're very friendly and, and, you know, just watching you do do your stuff. You know, I felt a connection there. And I think that's an important part of it because having looked at your YouTube channel, and I'm talking about YouTube channels and I didn't want to do that yet, but here we go. (laughs) We'll go back to where we came later. This is how my interviews go, I'm afraid, David. Um, I did notice that, as usual, the most watched videos were all the bog standard usual stuff like pentatonics and minor licks and stuff. <laughs> These are the, yes, like, I know. Everybody's trying to do all this stuff, but no one's interested. They just want the minor pentatonics. What do you think? Yes, uh, that's it, that's so true. And I, I can get into it a little bit, but it's part of it is a little bit frustrating, if I'm honest. <laughs> Good, that's what <laughs> I want to hear. But it's necessary. Yeah, but, we'll, but we'll, I, I shouldn't. As usual, be even talking about this because that will come later. I'm really enjoying okay. hearing about uh, uh, about your life. So, um, you're now in uh, Colorado, is that right? Yes. And yep. you're you've with your partner. You decided to you know put up sticks and start a family and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that a natural progression of how you then came on to work online? Actually, yeah, I think it's, I don't know that it was calculated that way, but it fits the the global picture. Um, I think it was a combination of me wanting to, yeah, start a family, but also it came out of frustration um, with um, a couple things like teaching one-on-one, which I love teaching, that I was getting really, really burned out and I needed something different. And so I I decided, well, instead of teaching one-on-one, I'm going to film one lesson and when someone wants to learn that thing, I'll direct them to that lesson. There was also a frustration of wanting to be able to make a living as a musician without touring, without which I, I've never done. I've never done a tour in my life, but I don't have that much interest setting up gear and traveling in a little bus. And I, I think it's great for those who like it, but that is never me. And gigging is, I like gigging, but it's not my favorite thing to do. So 
I thought, well, maybe I can have a business where I sell things that don't require me to to do the work as it's being sold. So that's like uh, producing lessons that I can sell or albums or that kind of thing. And I didn't have anything like that yet, but I thought the first thing I need to do is have an audience before I even have a product to sell. And that's kind of what started the channel. So it's kind of all mixed together. I, you can absolutely correct me, and I know you will uh, if I'm wrong, but listening to your playing, I heard uh, various um, influences, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Any of these strike any keys with you? Robin Ford? Do you like Robin? I do. I do. I love him. Okay. Larry Carlton? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, therefore, it, it runs into you like Lee Rittner. Yes, that him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I love that. Now, the last one I'm going to ask you about, which just came into my noggin right now, is someone who famously, I think, said, and actually did live in here in Edinburgh in Scotland for a while, who was going mental uh, about the state of the industry and why should I work for nothing. Are you influenced by Frank Gambale? Yes. Frank is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, he... he um. I think I'm right in saying he said that. And uh, it came across as quite bitter, and I can understand Mm -hmm. why. This podcast is about you and about your music and the services you are, but I also hoped we could help people out there who are maybe at the point you were when you you went to Colorado and are thinking about getting online. And uh, I'm sure your expertise, David, you'll be able to give some insights what do you feel about the whole way that the industry has moved? That the, the uh, as the I keep saying this, and I hate this phrase, this digital revolution has changed everything. What's your overall feelings about it? Um, my feelings is that I I like it. I like it in the sense that it's new. Um, however, I can completely understand the frustration that some musicians have because it's true that um, today. Um, starting a ba- doing the you know the the old school way, which was starting a band, playing many many gigs, and then expanding those gigs, and then doing festivals. That could still work, but it's not successful as it used to be. I think, and so a lot of musicians think, well, that's it. There's no more way of doing it. However, I think that because of the new technology, there's actually a lot of ways, but it just requires a different way of thinking about it. I think the the reason, and I'm not saying that it's a problem, but it can be. I think the reason why, one of the reasons why many uh, musicians struggle uh, making a living today is that they spend all their creative juice on the instrument, which is cool. It's great yeah. on music. But I think you need to to keep a little bit of that creativity towards your business, like marketing and things like that. Instead of just studying books on marketing, just use some of your creative mind towards those things. And I think a combination of uh, creative musicality and creative entrepreneurship is part of the key to success, I think. We're getting into the meat and potatoes of all of this, David. Can you tell us a little about the provision that you actually give online? We've talked a little about your YouTube channel, and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that in depth a little later. What other... um, main social areas or or sites are you going through and i know there's lots because i've been checking them all out mm-hmm. maybe you could tell us the listeners yeah we're, the main the main one is really youtube that's the main one that i focused on um i kind of decided early on that i'm going to focus on one platform and then the others I'll, I'll just do as i feel like i need to do something so facebook a little bit and a little bit of twitter but really the main thing has always been youtube for me and how about you're on jam play does does that is that much of a of interest yeah for you? um so the 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 story with jam play is that when i moved to colorado at the time my personal business was not doing great and i needed something but i didn't want to have a regular job and i had just come from another website uh guitarmasterclass.net to do similar things where you know from home you just film your lessons and sell them I had stopped working with them because I thought I could make more somewhere else. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, to be honest, great guys. I'm still friends with all of them, but you know, had to move on. I, I just searched on Google for different sites and emailed them and emailed Jamplay. 
And Jamfa emailed me back and they said, hey, we live five miles from where you are. Like, completely random. Random. I, I call it a God thing. God led me towards that site. And, and so that's how I started working with them, doing contract work. And every once in a while, I go to their studio and film some content for them. Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're busy doing some sort of uh, crowdfunding thing, aren't they, to really ratchet the whole thing up? I don't, they might be. I don't know. I don't pay much attention to it. I, not that I don't care. I just haven't lately. You see people listening to this, uh, musicians listening to this, who may not be online or who may be online and maybe not doing too well or mm-hmm. lack in focus or whatever. Do you think going online is much more monetary orientated reason for doing it than playing live? Now, with that, I know you get paid for playing live, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, isn't it? There's a lot of work, yes. Um, I don't know that it's better to do it online for everyone. I know that it has for me, but that's also my personality, um, who much rather work from home than traveling. And some people love playing live, and that's awesome. I think it's great. I don't dislike it, but it's not my passion. My passion is just being in my room and writing music and producing content. That's what I love doing. And that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm happy. Okay, you are listening to me, Jed Brocky, in conversation with David Wellerman, who's over in Colorado. Can't even say it, Colorado. If you like what you're listening to and you want to know more, please come over to the GMI the Guitar Music Institute website at www.guitarmusicinstitute.com where you can see videos of David, links to David's sites and his work, and, well, more. I can't think of what more, but I'm sure there will be more. So I'm really enjoying this uh, interview, David. It's great to talk to a fellow pro all these miles away. I- I'm going to ask you the spiky question, although you don't have to be uh, detailed. Do you make a living from what you're doing? I do. I do. Um, and it's um, the last nine months have been much better than the last nine years. So because, uh, wow. the last yeah. nine months have been better than the last nine years. Maybe not all combined. I'm not saying like all combined, but yes, financially, I'm doing much better in the last nine months that I have before. So how long did it take before you actually saw some meaningful income coming back to you from all the work that you're putting online about nine years wow (laughs) but that does not mean that that's going to be the case for everyone i know why for me the reason is i didn't have a, a strategy and i read about business stuff online marketing advertisements sales funnels all those things and that is very overwhelming to me and had countless sleepless nights stressing out about it for years i i would i would literally start putting in place something that i read in a book even spend hard-earned money on developing a website or whatever it is all of those just kind of like flopped it just did not work i would keep reading 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 and start over until about nine months ago what i did is um, I tried to figure out what all these people were doing, like all these marketer, what is the common thing that they're all saying and make my own kind of strategy. And it came down to, I actually made a video. I'll, I'll send you the link. Maybe you can link to that somewhere on your page. Of course. Yeah. But basically the, in a nutshell, it's um, instead of selling the product first, that's the final thing that will happen. Whatever the product it doesn't have to be music. Is that the bottom the, of the funnel, David? <laughs> That's it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. That's it. Really. And the, the main thing is relationships because a friend is much more likely to help you out than a complete stranger. Well, it's kind of funny. Every time I ask friends for money, they always say no. <laughs> Maybe you need to change friends. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's a good idea. Uh, I'm going to have to find some first. So that's in- very interesting because as I said, and uh, I'm, I'm not just being nice to you, that it really came across loud and clear on, on your YouTube channel that, you know, you were in, uh, I mean, you're, you're talking to a camera, there's no one there. When you watch my videos, I've usually got a scowl in my face, but with <laughs> you, um, I felt you were really talking to me. And uh, I mean, I try and do that as well, obviously, but I really just like the way you address the camera. It seems personal and, you know, you, you seem happy to be there and all the rest of it and mm-hmm. give your information. 
Thank you. And that, that took a while for me to get there. But for those listening, I don't want, and those following me, I don't want you guys to think that I'm pretending to be your friend. I really do care. And I think that's the secret behind it too. Like if someone watches me or, or has a relationship with me for like their life and I, I help them out and we, and they help me out and, and they never buy anything from me. That's fine. Like I don't, the most important thing is like those relationships, um, that even in the virtual world that I can have through email or whatever, that's really the mo- the biggest thing. If, if you don't really care and you're pretending and people are going to see, they might buy one thing from you and then they're going to give up. You're going to have bad reviews online and, and whatever, and they're going to sense it. And I, I'm not like that. <laughs> I really do care. <laughs> There's no hiding place out there. Yeah, well, the, the thing that I see, David, online is, uh, and for years I was looking at all these things, most of the people who are selling, well, uh, uh, for a huge amount of people who are selling things online, they're not actually selling anything other than systems on how to sell online. Yes, that's, that's, that's right. And, and, and the years of uh, my, my learning online marketing, I've noticed that. And that has been so frustrating. And I thought... I'm never going to be able to make money on uh, teaching people how to, you know, use modes. And, um, but I didn't give up and I, I tried to find like the common thing that all these guys were saying and put it in place. And, um, and that's the reason of the, the growth that I was just telling you about. So it's definitely possible. So what steps, if someone is either wanting to get into it or is into it and isn't getting anywhere, what would you say uh, they should do? to start seeing some meaningful growth? Good question. Well, um, first of all, you need a product and you need to have something that's kind of defined and, um, and really targeted, something that not too broad, something super targeted, even if it means that you're going to eliminate a lot of people because a lot of uh, um, business people who start or musicians, because a lot of musicians are not business guys. I, I was not. I started after. Um, I think that, okay, I've got to target the whole world because that's more people. <laughs> yes. But the problem is, like, you can't speak really to the whole world. It's, it's impossible. Just focus on the smallest, uh, they call it a niche, that you can. Um, like, really, really small. But I think if you really target, like, a, a small percentage of the population, then it's easier for you to become an authority in that smaller circle. And there's going to be a lot more people, yeah, following you. So are you finding that there are similarities between the people that listen to you? Are they a, are they a kind of person then? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I would Usually those who are completely different are, are not going to like me anyways. <laughs> well, maybe not stylistically, but but if there's not that human connection, um, then they're not going to like me and that's okay. Like, we're not going to be friends. So are you saying that the people that follow you are people who would like to be you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny that you say this because my uh, my thing um, is like, nobody can play the way you play. Yes. So you shouldn't be me <laughs> because you're... <laughs> You're not serving yourself. You're better than me because you're a you, basically. That's the idea. <laughs> That's very interesting. So ultimately, you're saying be true unto yourself. Yeah, exactly. I've always believed from a personal experience, and maybe we can get into it later, but that there is um, something really unique within musicians, like a, a, a song that we all have or that we hear that is inside of you. For me, happiness came when I was able to bring that out. And I want to share that happiness with anyone. Yeah, I don't know why I'm saying that, but hopefully it made sense. <laughs> it, it does make sense. And um, I, I actually did a a podcast, a, a solo podcast, can you believe it, um, on just uh, the language of music and how um, music mm-hmm. is a language. And no one goes around, well, most normal people don't go around the country that they live in, speaking the language that whatever they speak, judging other people's language skills, yeah. Generally speaking, uh, mm-hmm. and yet in, in music, we feel we can do that when when actually it's it's a language which we can feel inside and express ourselves, and 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 that's what you want to be able to speak and you know fluently in the language of music. Yeah, that's 
That's spot on. That's exactly it. I love hearing your voice because it's you. It's it's unique. Nobody has it. I could try to imitate it, but it would be horrible and offensive (laughs) and vice versa. But I love it. It's awesome. And I think, yeah, you're right. In music, it's the same exact thing. I think my job as a guitar teacher is to help students be truer to their voice. Sometimes they, they have something in their mind they want to express and they can't because of any kind of limitation. Maybe it's a theory thing. Maybe it's a technical thing. But that's my goal to bring that out of you and help you and help me in the process too. Excellent. So David, um, I don't know how far you can go into this, but uh, let's see how it goes. And YouTube is, um, we we all know that you get about (laughs) 0.0001 of a cent um, of advertising revenues. How have you actually managed to monetize your offering? YouTube by itself, you're right. There's ads on there and um, it, it doesn't pay much. Right now, as far as views, there is a growth and how I don't feel that it's as big as it should be uh, because I've been doing it for nine years. But just to give you an idea, I get about 10,000 views a day. Wow. And monthly, I make about $400 on that. So just 10,000 times 30, that's the amount of views. That's all right. That, that play, I'll pay for your messages. Sorry, groceries. That'll pay for your groceries. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. It, it's definitely a plus, but it took a while. But the thing is, like, it's been making that amount of money for years, even before I had that amount of subscribers. So it's not necessarily increasing the way that I want. But, but all that to say that, yes, it's, it's a nice bonus, definitely. But besides that, the, the real revenue for me is from the courses that I sell. After that, I get the, the top of the funnel is YouTube. <laughs> That's why I make a connection. And, it's funnel. And <laughs> it's all over the place, isn't it? I know. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> funnel. Funnel hell. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but then if people want to go a little further, they sign up to get the tabs for me or a backing track or whatever. And then they're on my email uh, newsletter. And it's in that newsletter that a potential sale is made. And if not, that's all right. So no it's problem. a little like one of those, um, what are they called? Picture plants. You know, the fly goes in the top and it, <laughs> and then it smells some stuff. And slowly <laughs> it goes a little further in. And then it realizes it can't get out. <laughs> no, you can get out. Of, okay, yeah. It sounds very sneaky. It sounds like, <laughs> oh, I'm all about the money like that. <clears throat> That's not the case. Um, they can leave the funnel anytime. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Okay, folks, you heard it here. You can leave the funnel. Yes, absolutely. And we're still friends. It's all good. <laughs> but it's not all like not every email is like, hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like most of the time, it's like free stuff that I give out because I care. Have you heard of a guy called Tim Schmoyer? Yes. You know, he, I had a consultation with him last month. Oh, uh, really? Did he have his baseball hat on? I think he did. <laughs> You know, every Such time, a nice guy. Every time I actually tune into Tim Schmoyer's uh, channel, he's he's having another child. Yeah, that's right. I know. <laughs> he's a family guy. Yeah, just as well. Yes. <laughs> but he's such a nice guy. Like, sometimes you see someone on YouTube and you think, oh, they seem really nice. And then you talk to them. It's like, really? This guy is like really nice uh-huh. really really nice he's did, a great guy did you find that tim's advice was was helped you in, in any way david yeah very much um i have to be honest so the, the call was an hour it was recorded and during the hour i felt i felt that it was great he was a nice guy genuine and all that but i thought i don't know if i if it's worth the money that i paid out of this advice all right but, so you, you paid for this oh yeah yeah yes he does paid consultations Right. But, um, but then I listened to it again and I missed so many invaluable things during the conversation that I've started to put in place. And it, it has been really good. And I have seen growth in my YouTube channel for little things like that. It's, it's just that the, the way you talk about uh, learning and your channel and all the rest of it reminded me of Tim's approach. That was all. Yep. And, and he's very much one of the reasons for it because he gave me advice that has paid off. For sure. Fantastic. So about the future, what do you see uh, as the future for your 
growth and your channel and online presence, David? I don't know if I see it, but I'd like it. <laughs> what, I, what I would really like is to transition, still do that, you know, the YouTube stuff and, and the online courses. But I'd like to get outside of the office soon. <laughs> yeah, can be <laughs> Just get a bit of a prison, can't it? Yes, yes, exactly. But that was really always kind of the, the goal when I started. I just didn't want to be a slave to it. I didn't want to be a slave to touring and gigs and all that. I wanted to do it on my terms, if possible. You're so selfish. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but, but I'm not. I'm not hurting anyone, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, now, you recently did a. Am I right in saying you did a, a crowdfunding uh, appeal for an album? Can you tell us yep. all about that? Yeah. So. Um, that album, Evolving Seeds of Glory, um, ties into what I what I prefaced a little while back. I told you there's a song hidden in each of, each of us. Mm -hmm. Well, before I moved to the States, I went through a year of really heavy depression, really, really hard. Oh, right. And and so I took, um, all I remember from that phase is that I took long walks. And we don't have to, I know it's a public podcast, we don't have to get into spirituality, but um, I prayed for all that time, all those wikes, and that was really helpful for me rediscovering who I was and, and all that. And on those walks, I started to, to hear, like in my heart, music, um, little things, you know, like you, sometimes you compose in your head. Usually when I'm doing the dishes, which isn't that very yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you get it though. You, you hear something, but this was different because I really loved what I was hearing and not in an arrogant way because I think that what I heard was from God. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe you might cut this. I don't know. I don't want to appear like a weirdo. No, no, don't worry. <laughs> it's all going to be included, David. <laughs> okay, that's okay. <laughs> I'm giving you enough <laughs> rope. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, yeah, okay, let's, let's just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what people want. They want to hear the real you. <laughs> yeah, well, there, so there it is. And then, um, I'm not, I'm usually very down to earth guy. Um, I, I am, I think I'm not the typical artist heads in the clouds all the time. I'm, I think I'm pretty, you know, stable, uh -huh. but at, at that time, like I, I heard that on one walk and I was like, okay, that's, that's really cool. And I was really touched. You didn't have an iPod on at the time or anything? No, nothing. Right. Like just, just me in the nature walking at night, nothing. And, uh, the next day I heard it again, but it was a little clearer. And I, it kept going every single day. I would hear a little bit more mm -hmm. and it was really touching. It was not like I have to actively compose in my head as I'm walking. It was just really me listening within and it just came and it brought me to tears several times. Like it was really, really touching. And so I decided to, to reproduce, reproduce what I, what I was hearing, uh, recording demos. And that was maybe 12, 13 years ago. And, um, and that became the album, Evolving Seas of Glory. Now, when I say that, I don't want people to think that get the album and you will be touched like I was and it's the music from God. And no, that's just me, my personal rendition of what I heard. What I heard was way more beautiful than the album. But anyways, I had the album and for 10 years it was there and I was working on it and, and I went through different drummers. And it was never, there was always problems. The drummers were great, but sound problems and issues. And so finally I decided to hire Nick DiVergiolio, who's um, done a lot of work. He, he's known for his work with Spock's Beard at the time. Great name. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. If you want to get ahead, get a good name. I'm thinking of changing my name to Jed Caracas, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, so not only a great name, but <laughs> an incredible musician. And... Um, I was following him on Facebook. He had left the band, Spock's Beard, doing other stuff. And then he was in uh, Cirque du Soleil, uh, touring with them, and then stopped that to do other things. I don't know what. And he said, if you guys have any, um, any work, let me know. And I contacted him. And long story short, he re-recorded all the drums of the album. And that was the foundation on which I added everything that I had been recording before, but professionally and that became the album. And so the crowdfunding thing was to pay Nick to record the drums. Wonderful. And any tips that you can give people out there when do crowdfunding? Because let's face it, everyone's on there saying, please give me money for my album. How did it work for you, David? 
I was interviewing a, a person just a, a couple of weeks ago who put up a crowdfunding thing for a portable amp, and he's he's got two hundred thousand dollars of pre-sales. Wow! Exactly. Yeah. So, so it works for some people and not for others. How did it work for you? So this was the second crowdfunding that I've done. The first one was not successful. That was for my website, Guitar Playback. I wanted to revisit it. The second one was I made the the, the budget. But I had a lot of following on YouTube who helped me out. Fantastic. But I will say, like, ne- if I do one again, I'm going to do it differently. Because this one, I crowdfunded the thing and then to get the money to record the drums. And then I had a lot of work after that. And I was able to fulfill all the, the rewards for the, the pledges, but way out of uh, the timing that I had set. So next one, I'm going to make sure that I have everything ready except the one thing that i need money for right and have everything else ready so i can deliver quick because because then like i got um i got one guy i don't blame him at all but he had pledged uh, quite a bit of money and asked for a refund which i refunded him because it took so long i don't blame him at all i totally get it but then you get into that kind of problems and it's that's the only tip i would give that's really great that that your relationship with the people that follow i I don't want to call them fans i'll call them followers yeah they rate your tuition and you and your music enough to take a punt all right they're getting something for it but in a way they're helping to promote the art was that through patreon um it was through through kickstarter ah kickstarter yeah yeah Absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And that, that comes back to that whole thing about the relationship you have with people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were talking about the future. You're moving closer to where you want to be. And I guess it's been quite a long journey, hasn't it? Well, there are times in this, and I hate that phrase, by the way, we're all on a journey. You know, we're ultimately all on a journey to death. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, <it's> death. <laughs> but on your journey, um, were there are times in it where you thought, you know what? This just isn't working at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the last time I had this big, big burnout was um, five years ago. That is huge. And I even interviewed for another job completely different. Like, I can't remember what it was. So I think discouragement is normal, but it means you care in a way. The key is, well, you either give up or not. <laughs> if you do, well, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe there is a, a, a different path for you and that's fine. But if you don't, that's fine too. Just just know that you're not the only one who got discouraged and there is help out there. If someone's been bashing away at this for ages, I'm not talking about me, but a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but if someone was bashing away at this for ages and it wasn't getting them anywhere, do you think there's anything they should be looking for to, that would give them other than divine help, um, a sort of Mm -hmm. an idea that they should maybe pack it in. I think the first step, um, and I'm talking for me too, the first step is find one person or or a few who you can really trust and sit down with them and just lay it out on the ground, like even if it doesn't make sense, because it's in conversations with others uh, that are not as involved as you are in your project that you will probably have a better perspective and and oftentimes it requires just little changes maybe you're like for me for example i for a long time i thought that i have to do a video every single when i started uh tuesday and friday or something at 11 a.m every single time and if i don't the world's gonna crash or whatever that's just an example but sometimes we're stuck in patterns that really bring you down and you lose the joy of creating things and people can tell. So sometimes it's a matter of pruning the tree. You take off some things that are in your life that are just not working anymore and you replace it with some, something else. So how often do you upload now, David? Now three times a week, but I set myself the rule that if I don't want to make a video, I'm just not going to make it. The weird thing, once I decided that, I wanted to do all the videos. <laughs> I was happy to do it because I wasn't tied to this, almost like a slave doing it. Well, I just- it's very interesting you should say that, David, because I was invited along. Um, the GMI YouTube channel's got a massive 1,065 or something subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's yeah. just as I passed the 1,000 mark a couple of months ago, I was invited by YouTube to one of their special 
sort yeah. of uh, brain removal events. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I went along to that, and um, there was a whole bunch of us in the room. They brought the pods down and all that sort of stuff, put them on our heads. But then they they were saying to people, um, they were asking people about YouTube. People were saying, oh, we've got to upload every day. We've got to upload every day. And I I actually said, is is this really very productive? You're you're basically saying you should be in the house, because they were in the house, creating videos every single day. It sounds like to me... YouTube either want you creating videos or watching them. You're actually becoming a slave. This doesn't sound healthy. Yeah, it's not. It's not healthy at all. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly where I was. And it's sometimes it just takes someone else to tell you you don't have to do this. It's okay if you don't do it, and or just try it. Like try. It. Like for me, I had to try not uploading a video on Wednesday and just see what happened. I had this like weird, unhealthy idea that yeah everything would stop but it doesn't matter and where do you get your ideas from david for your videos do you have a sort of do you map out a, a month's production or do you just throw a piece of grass up in the air how, how does it <laughs> a little bit of both <laughs> but um no i've i've uh, i started doing this a couple months ago i've got a notepad that's always open and whenever i have an idea and it's tied to my phone or whatever uh, an idea, I just write it down so I can always go back. Ideally, I'd, this is the dream. I'd love, because I heard a friend, a YouTube friend from Australia do, he, who's done that. He's got a year of content planned already. It's already filmed. Wow. And that's, that's <laughs> awesome. The dream. Yeah. And I, I started entertaining that idea. Like I will take like a month. That's all I do. Just film, film, film and edit. And then I'm done for a year love the idea but i have i need the ideas so what i did is uh uploaded a video a month ago saying if you guys have any ideas let me know and it's go to this link and it's tied to a google form and they enter all their ideas like the title of the video what it's about the category and then that way if i'm out of ideas i just go and pick and um see what happens to answer your question it's a little both some are planned some are random i always find uh, i've got millions of ideas the hardest bit about the whole process because i've got a green screen room the hardest bit without a doubt is actually switching the camera on that's that's true yeah yeah it's very true there's always well you did it at the beginning of the show i do this all the time like you had to get in the zone right before we started recording i do that all the time too actually one day i should upload a video completely unedited and people will see like what happens Interesting, an interesting idea. I always tell my own students and that when I always feel it's important that people hear music all the time, they don't appreciate it. So on a performance, especially if it's a solo, if I'm doing a solo thing or if it's a solo piece within a, a, a band context, give it about five to ten seconds, just do nothing. Yeah. And that, that draws people in. Mm-hmm. Talking, they start looking, oh, oh, what's he doing? Oh, he's not doing anything. What's he going to do? And then you start playing and they're much more likely to to listen more maybe we should start off everything that you've you've said like musically i think we think very much alike it's, it's awesome i've I just really i've just read everything everything about you absolutely everything <laughs> okay. about you. i'm just reading off a script here oh yeah you're reading off, it's totally fake i'm reading off a script <laughs> <laughs> maybe we just don't think alike at all but you're just like playing a character <laughs> this is it so your your absolute uh, dream then i i'm guessing from what you said is Kind of a mix of both where you're able to uh, be creative and, and create new albums and, and write new music, uh, as well as teach people. Would, would that be a, a good stab in the right direction, David? I think so, yeah. And um, yes, definitely. And it all comes to freedom, really. And the biggest for me has been the lack of freedom to do those things was the financial aspect. And that's why I think the the previous nine years have been trying to get to a place where some things are set up so that they allow me to maybe explore other things that don't pay, but that are really fun. Not that I'm not having fun doing the YouTube thing, but with different people, you get different vibes, but I can honestly say, David, that this has been one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever had. Thank you very much. That means a lot. It's really great. It's great when you you, you feel you can just uh, open up and be silly. Yeah. That the person's not going to be, uh, take offense or anything is there anything else that i haven't really asked you about life online as a musician that you feel a, a good interviewer would have asked you 
I think you did a fantastic job covering everything. <laughs> I'll send you the money later. Uh, okay. <laughs> but is, is, is there any anything that really you, you would just like to say to the listeners in, in closing uh, about life online as a musician? Yeah, I will say um, if you feel like really overwhelmed with the amount of information that you can get, whether it's business, music, or whatever, take a break. And it's during that time of break offline couple days whatever it takes it's then that your your brain is going to automatically kind of sort out what's really important to you and that's what you should focus on don't worry about following to the t a letter uh, a business plan that someone else wrote that works for him because you're you and i say that with music too all the time like find who you are find what your goals are what makes you happy and once you have defined that if you need help from someone else to set up your your path towards that, that's fine. But it needs to start from you instead of just following what another guy did. Because then you compare things, you become jealous. I've had that. Like I've been jealous of the people. It's unhealthy. It makes you sad. And as you, nobody can <laughs> do it the way you do it. <laughs> I say that on my videos all the time. But it's true. <laughs> That's exactly what I was taking from everything you said. I mean, everybody wants an out-the-box solution, don't they, David? But the, the, the real, the truth of it is that everyone's different. Every, you know, every single way of actually getting to somewhere that's successful, there is a different path for everyone, grasshopper. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's right. And find what makes you happy and go with that in the business world and or music world. Okay, well, thanks very much, David, for... Uh, spending the time with me it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure david willeman away over there in colorado thank you david thank you so much well folks i hope you enjoyed that interview i certainly did david is a great guy who's doing great things over there in america and reaching people all over the world and hopefully you'll have found a lot of information and advice that can help you take your channel forward the biggest thing for me was that there is no single one-size-fits-all solution. If you enjoy our podcasts, please consider supporting us through our Patreon page. The link is on each individual episode. So from me, Jed Brocky, thanks for listening in. Hopefully, I'll have your company very soon on the next one. Until then, goodbye.